Oh, I've oh, never done it. Oh, so now you're talking through your phone and not your computer? Yeah, we're going to be all full lives. Okay. How do you guys want to start it? Um, I'll start it off. Like I always, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of Pounding the Table Live. Uh, we got our boy Jonah Lupton in the house alongside myself. This is Avi and then Shy and Joey. And uh, for those that can't, since we just did this on a, on a whim here on a Friday, five minutes to go. We'll also be recording this. So if you guys have to drop off and have work, totally understandable. But uh, let's kick it off. John, I know you wanted to touch on a few of the earnings this week. There's some big ones. Celsius, we have to kick it off with, I'd imagine. Uh, I know you wanted to touch on that. They just announced a three-to-one stock split. Uh, have a ton of new flavors. I always use my bodega as a, kind of a, a microcosm of, of where it's at. And I've started off with two in the corner. And now they have, I think, 12 flavors or, you know, whatever. They have pretty much every flavor in the dead center. And so that's been a cool microcosm to watch. But you've been on this stock since day one. I think you and Joey were the first two stockholders of Celsius. And Joey got in before me. Uh, I got in, I think Joey's been in since low single digits. I got in around 10 bucks, obviously in the 170s right now. And the stock hasn't really done anything since earnings, but I'm not worried about it. I mean, the stock's been a absolute beast for the last three and a half years. It probably has to digest some of those gains. It's still up like 70% year to date. And I can just look at the fundamentals and sleep well, knowing I have a big position and everything still looks pretty strong. They reported earnings this week. The challenge now is that Celsius is no longer a secret. Uh, for a few years, this stock really flew under the radar. The analysts were way behind the story and there wasn't even that much coverage to begin with. But over the last Six to 12 months, you've seen a lot more firms pick up coverage. I know that Celsius management is always talking to these analysts, big funds, big, you know, the big asset managers. But when they reported Q2 earnings, they blew it out of the water. I think the, the estimate was somewhere around 276 million that came in at 326. So they beat it by 50 million of revenue in Q2. And then not only, not only did they beat Q2 by 50 million, the analysts then raised Q3 estimates by 50 million overnight. So going into Q2 earnings, the Q3 estimate was 300 million. Two days later, the estimate had gone up to 350 million. So it makes it harder to keep doing these big monster beats when the analysts are finally, finally catching up. They still beat it. They came in at, I think it was 378 million or 376, I forget. I think my number was 370. I think they came in at 375 or 376. I guess management said something about there was like 15 or 20 million of pull forward. Well, guess what? There was 15 or 20 million of pull forward a year ago when we started working with Pepsi. There's going to be another 15 or 20 million of pull forward in Q4 as these, uh, these Canadian distributors or Pepsi starts to bring product up to Canada when they roll out in Canada, there's always pull forward. It's like the stupidest reason to sell the stock right now is that there's some pull forward. There's always going to be pull forward. At the end of the day, Celsius is growing revenues by triple digits still. And I think the most impressive part about this growth the past six or 12 months is just the improvement in margins, gross margins, net income margins, EBITDA margins. Uh, I mean, I, I thought maybe we'd end this year at 11% net income margins. I and mean, we probably have a shot at, at 13, 14% net income margins. So this is going to be a, a pretty powerful growth, uh, earnings growth story for the next three, four, five, six years. I mean, of course, revenue growth is going to slow down. You can't do triple digits every single year. This will be the third straight year 
of triple digit revenue growth. And I heard someone on Twitter saying that, you know, they do think Celsius will be the next monster, but Celsius can't grow at that monster's eight. I mean, Monster never had a triple digit growth year ever. So, you know, they just did a lot of like 15, 20, 25% years. What Celsius is doing now is just phenomenal. So U.S. growth is going to slow down, of course, but we'll have international growth going forward. So international revenues is like four and a half percent ballpark of total revenues over the next four or five years. I think that number can get up to 15 or 20 percent. If I remember correctly, like I'm not looking at my investment model right now, I believe in 2027, I have them doing 5 billion of total revenues. And I believe 18% of that would be coming from international. So Canada, Europe, Asia, South America, et cetera, Australia, um, Monster and Red Bull both do 40 to 50% of their revenues outside of the U.S. Just like three years ago, there was a lot of white space in the U.S. for Celsius. Now there's a lot of white space international. And just like the U.S. consumer has really, you know, caught on to Celsius and moved away from other energy drinks, I suspect the same thing will happen in international markets. So I'm excited to see what happens. Pepsi's obviously opened up a lot of new doors into food service, which is hospitality. So uh, hotels, like if you walk into a hotel, you know, and there's like a little gift store there. There's usually a, a cooler in there and Monster and Red Bull have really dominated that. Now you're going to see Celsius in those coolers, not to mention colleges, hospitals, airports, music venues, concerts, stadiums. Like there's, I mean, none of those doors were open before until Pepsi came on board on top of all the other brick and mortar doors they're opening. And then of course, Amazon's still doing pretty well. I think that was like 70% year over year growth. Uh, club channel still doing great. Costco, Sam's, BJ's. I believe some of these clubs now have two full pallets of Celsius. What I will say, like, I mean, what they're doing right now with their 200 milligram can product is great, but they do need to start expanding the, the product lineup. So. I mentioned on Twitter, this is my new favorite flavor. So Celsius just announced the Essentials, which is the rebranded heat product. So you can now pick these up in 7-Elevens and then they'll do a full rollout either later in December or January. There's four flavors right now. Uh, I think it's, I think it's Dragon Fruit, Blue Crush. This is Orncicle. And then there's like a, was it Cherry Limeade maybe is the fourth? I forget. But this orangeicle is unfreaking believable. Like if you ever had orangeicle, like if you just eat those orangeicle uh, popsicles as a kid, it tastes exactly like that. Like it's absolutely incredible. So before I before I tasted this product a few days ago, my favorites were lemon lime, which I'm drinking right now, green apple, cherry, tropical vibe, orange. But I think this orange goal is hands down like the best drink they've ever made flavor wise. So well, I like made you a, a spokesperson. Yeah, I've I always do. wondered. I won't be on the board of directors. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I do think, I mean, 200, 280, uh, 280 milligrams of caffeine, or actually, no, 270 uh, BCAs. Like this is closer to what Bang was before, you know, before they shit the bed. Um, I don't think many females are going to drink this product just because of how much caffeine is in there. I think guys like us, uh, that have probably a high caffeine tolerance, will drink these probably on the way to the gym or at the gym. So I do think the market for this is smaller. I need them 
Like I'm talking to management next week. I am going to be very adamant. We need a hundred milligram can. There are so many people, mostly females, but I went for males that do not want 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's too much for them. And that's fine. Like I could probably drink a 200 milligram can and go to, you know, take a nap an hour later. Not everybody can. So there's a, you know, there's, that's like low hanging fruit. Like all of the high school girls, the college girls, the millennials that want, love the product, just want a little bit less caffeine. That hundred milligram can, we need something for them. Plus Canada has more strict laws or restrictions on caffeine. I think it's 180 milligrams in Canada. So I'm saying like just do 100, 100 or 120 for Canada and then use that same product in the U.S. Um, I mean, Celsius already had 20,000 coolers in the U.S., you know, their own branded coolers. Like if you're going to put tens of thousands of your old coolers into stores, you need more than one product in there. So I want a 100 milligram can next and then I want a hydration product. Prime is freaking killing it right now. Killing it. Because the younger generation doesn't give a shit about Gatorade, Powerade, or Body Armor, which are like the three kind of giants in that sports drink, hydration, intra-workout space. Prime came along with a shitty drink, so many chemicals, tastes like piss, and they're going to do a billion dollars in revenue over the next 12 months. Like, it's ridiculous. So I know Ghost is coming out with something. Um, I forget monster might have something. I think monster does have something intra, uh, like hydration. Celsius needs to do it. They have the brand capital. Now they have the ambassadors, the influencers, the commercials, like you have Pepsi. That's, that's probably the, the last like straw. It's Pepsi. Pepsi's probably holding it up because they own Gatorade. They probably don't love the idea of Celsius having their own hydration drink and then putting it in the same coolers with Gatorade. But I look at it as, you know, dear Pepsi, like your consumers are out there drinking Prime, Body Armor, Powerade. Powerade and Body Armor are both owned by Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola has a lot of hydration drinks in their coolers. Pepsi only has Gatorade. So like I would think they almost want to have a second hydration drink in there. I actually went to CVS the other day and in the bottom of the Pepsi cooler, which actually pissed me off, the bottom row was Prime. So <laughs> like get that shit out of there and put Celsius's hydration drink in there when they create something. So like pro kids are drinking Prime. Like when I went back to my parents' house on the Cape, I asked a bunch of high school kids in the gym, like what energy drinks are you drinking? One is Celsius, two is Ghost. And then for hydration drinks or during the workout, it's all prime. And they don't even like the product. They admit it tastes like shit. They drink it because it's like the cool drink for kids. And I, I honestly think Celsius could really dominate that market if they get into it. So you see about this super early as we were talking about now at the price where it's at now. I'm curious to see how you take a look at that because I've, I've been in situations where I've, I've bought you know, CrowdStrike at 60 and I, it was just so hard for me to buy it at 200 again, just knowing, but like, how, how do you look at this now? Are you buying more? You have a ton, but are you kind of sitting on that or are you looking to buy when it drops a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of adding earlier this year when the stock pulled back into the 80s. I think that was right before Q2 earnings. So I did a lot of buying, took my position up. 
Um, after they crush it on Q2 earnings, I trim my position a little bit. So I'm just sort of trading around my core position. I did hedge my position. Uh, so in the Q3 earnings, I did buy some puts just to hedge my position. Not that my long-term investment thesis was in any danger or just, you know, you never know, you know, these quarter to quarter hiccups, like you just never know what to expect. I'm up, I mean, I'm up triple, I'm up over a hundred percent year to date in my investment portfolio. Like I'm not trying to screw anything up with seven weeks left in the year. So, but I already sold the puts the next day when, when the stock popped and then dropped, pulled back, I sold the put and I actually did add to my Celsius position. So like if I didn't have a position right now, I would probably start a small position like in the 170s and then add on pullbacks. I mean, I think next year, uh, so what's funny is one of the analysts that just came out with a whole, was it a whole, I'm trying to think. Like, unfortunately, not many analysts actually updated their numbers or price targets after Q3 earnings. I think Morgan Stanley went up to 195 price target. Hyper, someone went to one, someone went to 250. I forget who it was. So their 2024 revenue estimate was 2.1 billion. And then I think it was 3 billion for 2025, which was actually even higher than what I had. So I think it implies like 60% growth next year. I'll just like run through my Celsius numbers real quick. So I have 1.3 billion this year, which would be 100% year over year for the third straight year. Next year, I have just over 2 billion, which would be about 57% uh, growth. And then 3 billion on the nose for 2025, which would be 46% growth. You know, at the same time, they're increasing net income margins by one to one and a half percent a year. So if they're growing revenues by 57% next year, 46% the year after, you know, you're going to see EPS growth will be even higher than that. So the stock should trade, continue trading at a premium multiple. I saw some on Twitter saying that Celsius should trade at 30 times earnings, which like, like I just couldn't help but laugh when I saw that. I mean, and my reply was, yeah, they'll trade at 30 times earnings when they're actually growing earnings by 30%. I mean, they're growing earnings 300% this year, and they'll probably grow earnings at 90 to 100% next year. Like, that's not reasonable for them to trade at 30 times earnings right now. They'll trade, they'll trade at 30 times earnings in like 2027, 2028, you know, when, gro when they're actually growing earnings at 30, 35%. So, I mean, I have them at, 53 times earnings in 2025, 49 times earnings in 2026, 45 times earnings in 2027. Cause that's, I mean, that's basically like a one to 1 1.2 times peg ratio on those years. So, I mean, we'll see, you know, I could be wrong, but if you look at monster and where their margins were as they scaled, I mean, Celsius isn't even close to them yet. So there's still a lot of room to grow those margins. Uh, before the pandemic, Monster had gross margins over 60%, and they had net income margins, I believe, at like 25%. Uh, Celsius is, like I said, this year, they'll probably end up at 12 to 13%. So there's a lot of room to go on those margins. And, uh, they, and they don't actually manufacture their own product. So um, Drink Pack, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet last night that I sent out. It said Drink Pack is one of their co-packers. And they're actually building two new facilities. They're spending $450 million to build two new facilities. And I believe Celsius is their largest customer. And that's probably one reason they're doing it. Like they see the writing on the wall. They see how much growth is coming. They need to be ready for it. Let's move on from uh, Celsius since you just hit on every single thing there, John. Unless 
Jerry or Shy, you got something quick. Uh, I know we wanted to touch on TMDX that absolutely ripped through earnings. So, uh, Shy, you want to kick that off? Or? Yeah, uh, I can kick it off with TMDX. I know Jono is the other bull on TMDX. I've been pounding the table on his name for like weeks, like even one or two months. And I know Joey <laughs> likes the name as well. This is just such a great growth story. There's very few stocks in the market that's under worth under $2 billion that also have this insane mode that's expanding with the network effect via the aviation acquisition that they just did. They're about to be free cash flow positive. They're going to the top line like gangbusters, like triple digits, like another similar triple digit story growth. And they just absolutely delivered in their earnings report this week. A lot of heartburn in the market was like, oh, is Ozempic going to really bring them down? Is this aviation company going to really extend their path towards profitability? Um, a lot of noise that exactly what we've been preaching like on the pod, like this is just noise. Like this is a great opportunity. We were pounding the table below $40. I think I would hit $60 this week. I still think this is a $100 stock next year. And I think there's just so much runway for this specific company in the coming years. I mean, they had to acquire this aviation company. Like they're growing so quickly that they couldn't afford to go to their brokers to get these, to lease these planes and all that stuff. Like there's just so much demand that they had on the whole end-to-end process. And that's exactly what they did. So that's what you want to see in a young growth company is just, there's so much demand that there's such a dominant network effect and moats that they're just going to experience the short-term headwind of this acquisition. That's going to probably hit their bottom line slightly. But again, the top line is going to be typical digital growth next this year. I think like 40 to 50 percent next year and it's just such a great story to be part of i know uh, i'm gonna let jonah add some more color to that but i cannot be more happy to be a transmedics uh, shareholder this week so i first found transmedics in early 2021 and back then they only had lungs approved uh so there was a lot of risk in the story because they had to go through the fda panel and advisory panel like that is like i remember sitting through those meetings it is brutal. I mean, it's like an entire day of the FDA advisory panel asking questions and poking holes at the trial. And then there's a vote. Like it's, it's wild. All of that's behind them now. So now they have approval for their OCS units, which stands for organ care system on lungs, heart, and liver with kidneys probably coming in the next couple of years. And the difference is if you, you know, say you die or, you know, you're a, an organ donor, your organs are harvested and put into a cooler, which is cold storage, which means your organs start dying right away. So you have a finite amount of time to get those organs into the recipient before they are, you know, you can't use them. And the longer you wait, you know, the more risk there is to the recipient not taking those or those organs successfully, you know, rejecting them versus what these OCS units can do is it's warm perfusion. So they're keeping that whole, that heart, the lungs, the liver, they're keeping it alive. Warm perfusion. That means warm blood, nutrients pumping through those organs to keep them alive um, for hours and hours and hours, up to like 12 or 15 hours, which means that if you have a someone die in Boston and the perfect match is in San Diego, you can now stick that organ into an OCS machine put it on a plane and fly to San Diego and save that person's life, whereas you wouldn't be able to without OCS. Now, the the financials are pretty simple to understand, like outside of the aviation. So they 
They bought a company called Summit Aviation, basically because the CEO says, we're growing so damn fast, we cannot rely on charter services anymore. Like when we have to be able to move an OCF unit from one city to the next, we can't not have access to a plane because there's so much effing money in this business. So they're making $100,000 of revenue per OCF procedure. So if heart, lungs, liver goes into an OCF machine, on average, it's $100,000 of revenue for transmedics. They can't afford to not to like lose that revenue because there's no planes available at that specific time. And they're going to make money on the aviation part of the business as well. It's all reimbursed by insurance. So like it is a, it's a juicy margin business. Obviously, aviation is probably going to bring down margins a little bit, but it'll increase revenues. And like Shay said, they are growing this year at about 150% year over year. But the CEO has basically laid out the path. So this year, they'll do around 2,000 procedures. The new guidance is about 240 million, but like just using round numbers, about 100,000 of revenue per, per procedure. He says over the next five years, they can get to 10,000 procedures, $100,000 each. Now we're talking a billion dollars in revenue. I think five, six years from now, net income margins are probably in that 20 to 25% range. If you look at other med tech companies at scale, that's typically where they end up in that 20 to 25% range. Shockwave is approaching 20% right now. So I think there is a lot. I mean, not only is, is the top line going to grow at 35, 45% for the next five, six years, you're going to see margins expand dramatically. They would have been profitable this quarter if it wasn't for the cost associated with the acquisition. So they'll be profitable next year instead, most likely. They'll at least be EBITDA positive next year, hopefully gap profitable next year as well. Um, if they're not, though, it's just the integration costs associated with the aviation business. So I'm super bullish. Like all the risks that were in TM TMDX two years ago are not there anymore. They are the market leader in this. There's really nobody even close to them. I also think this is a potential acquisition target for Medtronic, Fossil Scientific, Johnson & Johnson. I mean, now the Transmedics has really like proven themselves. They have all the FDA approvals. Now they have the aviation business and the multiples very reasonable. This was not even an expensive stock when you look at the fundamentals. That's crazy. It's under 2 billion right now. It's one, oh, yeah. 188 yep. right now. Yeah. I mean, when, like, I mean, the stock was up. So at the highs, so they reported earnings. I think it was a Tuesday night. I forget Tuesday night, maybe Monday. I don't know. The stock was up 70% at one point the next morning. If you had bought, so like just if you want to like punch yourself in the face after you hear this, feel free. I did. Um, the November, the November 17th, 85 calls the next morning were up 8,000%. 8,000% the next morning. So if you just put $1,000 into those 85 calls, November 85 calls, you would have um, 1,000 to 80,000. So, I mean, the stock has pulled back a little bit. I think it closed up 51% that first day after earnings. It's pulled back maybe another 5 or 6% from there. But like the long-term long story is intact right now. I wish there was more analysts that covered the stock. Unfortunately, there's only a few. Most of them have price targets, though, anywhere from like 80 to 100. So, I mean, everyone believes there's more upside left here. Love it. Joey, you wanted to talk about... Uh... 
the surgeons on the career page? Yeah. So one thing that I always like to look at companies is you can take a look at, you know, their careers page and you can kind of see something that they might be doing to bolster growth going forward. So you see that they, you know, they acquired this aviation unit. So yeah, now they don't have to wait for planes or book someone else's. They, they own their own fleet. But a cool thing that I found on their website is they're actually hiring surgeons. And one of their listings is cardiothoracic organ procurement surgeons. So one thing you could see them doing in the future is they would actually have a bunch of these surgeons on staff. So if, and you know, these are regional hiring, so they'll have a surgeon in each region. So now if there's a transplant, their surgeons, a transmedic surgeon will go procure it, put it in the OCS system, get on the transmedics plane, fly to the recipient and whatever surgeon procures an organ will also put it back in. It's just one of the, uh, I've talked to surgeons before and that's just how it works. So if they've got them going and retrieving it, then this same surgeon puts it in. It's, it's essentially they're creating an end-to-end transplant right. as a We're, service. They're like vertically integrated. Now the revenue per procedure for, goes from 100,000 to like 250,000. Yep, they get to bill all that. And it's just, you can kind of see where this is going. And it's such a futuristic type feel that it, it's very impressive what they're building. And I feel like if if they get this whole staff of surgeons, then yeah, this thing... When you're looking at the market cap size, the growth, you know, this could be a significantly larger company. (laughs) There's so much money in transplants. Like the average transplant, I believe, costs somewhere between $300,000 to $500,000. And the insurance companies pay it because it's cheaper to pay three or $400,000 to get that person a new heart than like all of the other health services, you know, related to someone with a, you know, dying heart. Uh, that's more expensive over a 15 or 20 year period. So it's like buy, you know, it's like buying a new car now versus holding on to your old car that breaks down every year and you have to keep paying to fix it. You know, like it's more, it's cheaper just to buy the new car now. That's a cool stock to invest in too. It's not like very cool. investing in cigarettes or, you know, like this, this is actually helping humanity as well. So there's a feel good story behind that. Uh, so those are, one, one last thing, three weeks ago in our newsletter that gets sent out every week, this was one of the three stocks to buy before November. So it's not too late, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of runway on this stock. And I, and I think you can still buy it here. Like I wasn't recommending buying it when it was up 70% the next day, but now that it's pulled back to, where is it right now? Like, um... Yeah, it's back under 60 bucks. Like, I, I agree with Shay. I think this could be a $100 stock in the next 12 months. Uh, somehow I wrote the uh, ticker symbol down, but it still went in. <laughs> I meant to uh, do SMCI, but I typed uh, SCMI, but that's still one. So you want to talk about uh, Super Micro? Yeah. So, I mean, these are my three highest conviction ideas right now. They're about 40% of my portfolio. So it's Celsius, Super Micro, ticker SMCI, and Transmedics. I think. All three of them have phenomenal fundamentals, reasonable valuations, and a ton of upside to go. Obviously, we covered two already. The third is super micro. They basically, they're like a hardware supplier to the AI chip. So NVIDIA, AMD, Intel. I mean, obviously, NVIDIA right now is the king of AI chips with their H100s. AMD is launching their, I believe it's MI chip in early 2024. Uh... Supermicro already has a partnership with them. And then I assume Intel will have their AI chips at some point. And we know the hyperscalers. We know Meta's working on AI chips. We know 
Amazon's working on AI chips. Microsoft's working on AI chips. Google, they're all going to have their own AI chips at some point. So that's one reason I don't want to buy. I mean, NVIDIA is the phenomenal company. I own it in my trading portfolio, but I think NVIDIA is going to have a lot more competition over the next three to five years. And I think all of those companies are probably going to work with Supermicro for their hardware, um, their cooling technology and everything else that they can bring to these companies to make their chips more productive, more efficient, uh, save energy costs, blah, blah, blah. So uh, companies based in Silicon Valley, they do some manufacturing outside of the US. They, uh, they recently announced their fiscal 2024 Q2 earnings, uh, beat and raised, they raised guidance for Q3. I forget the exact number. They raised full year guidance though from 10 to 11 billion. And this is a company with a market cap of like 12 or $13 billion. 9% net income margins. They'll do 11 or uh, 10 to 11 billion in revenues this year. So they're trading just above one-time sales. And the CEO has said multiple times, he thinks this company can get to 20 billion revenues within the next few years. And they're in the process of building a new manufacturing facility that would be able to support that growth. So if TSM, you know, TSM, the big uh, semi-manufacturing company out of Taiwan, they said, AI chip demand will grow at 50% a year for the next five years. And that's the nice thing about Supermicro is I don't give a shit who's AI chip or going into their hardware. They're going to have partnerships with all the big companies. So I think that this is just the tip of the iceberg. I don't understand. I know they're a hardware company and hardware companies sell at lower margins versus software companies, but I don't understand why Supermicro trades at such a low multiple. Their new guidance implies like 45% revenue growth, about 40% earnings growth, and the stock trades at less than 15 times next 12-month earnings. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But, I mean, I think the market's wrong. I think the market will have to catch up eventually. Maybe they need a little bit more proof. And we'll say, you know, there's all this, there's a lot of um, conspiracy theories around the video that some of their, like their you know, funding startups and then those startups are using the cash to like come back and buy AI chips. And we don't know exactly like what the risk is going to be selling these AI chips into China. Apparently, NVIDIA is coming out with three new chips that will not be banned into China. So like, obviously, whatever bad news is surrounding NVIDIA, like that will also spread onto Supermicro a little bit. But I think we're going to continue to see strong growth, assuming they can, you know, keep up with it. Thank God the supply chain problems are over. Obviously, there's risk. You know, they do manufacture some stuff in Taiwan. If shit goes bad in Taiwan, you know, all the semis are going to get smoked, including Supermicro. But they also do manufacturing in the U.S. and Europe. So hopefully something went bad in Taiwan. Um, I guess I guess what would happen is if NVIDIA is making all their chips in Taiwan and there's an invasion, then... You know, you don't have any chips to stick in the hardware anymore, but we'll deal with that when it comes. I mean, for now, I just think at these prices, and I would absolutely be adding the super micro at these prices after we just got that last quarter with new guidance. Awesome. Shy, I know you wanted to add a bit, and then let's uh, let's wrap it up with uh, TTD because that was uh, quite the fall yesterday. Yeah, I can make this quick. So, uh, so I know a lot of people are bullish on the data center, center thematic. But they don't know what stock to invest in because semiconductors goes over a lot of people's head. And it took me a lot of hours to actually look into it to figure out the differences between the companies. Super microcomputer is the best way to capitalize on the tailwinds of 
the data center thematic because there's a perfect pick and shovel play of that thematic. And we talk about all the time on the pod, like you love a specific concept of thematic, like the pick and shovel play is the best way to play it. And super microcomputer is that. And I do think there's a disconnect between fundamental valuation and like what the market is like pricing it to be. So um, definitely a stock to watch in 2024. Yeah, I mean, if Super Micro was trading at 50 times earnings, I would not be interested in it. But at less than 15 times earnings, I just think it's way too compelling not to have as my second biggest position. And then real quick, my fourth highest conviction idea right now is probably on running uh, because I love the sneaker. It's my favorite sneaker and I'm like a big sneaker head. Everyone I know that's tried on running loves them. Hoka would be second. Hoka's owned by Deckers. They just had great numbers a couple of weeks ago. I think Hoka and and On are both taking market share from Nike and some of the other legacy companies. So when On reports earnings, I think it's next week, I would expect good numbers. If the numbers aren't blowout, it's because Europe and Asia are seeing a slowdown. Like I think the US numbers will be phenomenal. Joe, you're shaking your head. Do you want to battle that one or? No. So, I mean, On running, you can't argue with the growth, the growth story, everything. My issue is, I had some on-running shoes and then I went to my local sleep feed and tried on the Hoka Clifton 9s, which I'm going to convince Jonah to order. And those things were life-changing. I just wish I would have gone and tried them on before Decker's earnings because it would have been the indicator for me to hop right in because, I mean, go get your feet scanned, see if Clifton 9s are fit. But yeah, those shoes, absolute game changers. But yeah, there's there's no arguing the growth story at on-running. I mean, like they're... To me, those two brands are so far ahead of everything else. It's not even close. I have I have 75 or 80 pairs of sneakers in my closet, no joke. And the only ones I wear on a consistent basis are Hoka and on. Like Nike, no, uh, toe box is too narrow. APLs are good for some things, but some of them suck. Um, same with Noble. Noble, I think, is is their sneakers are way overrated. Like Hoka and on are going to dominate this industry for the next five, 10 years. Yeah. I like, all birds was, were good at first. I like the, the tree runners, but then I, I tried on the on clouds and I switched over. I think all birds is a penny stock now, right? Yeah. All, all birds is a mess. Like the stock, stock wise. I mean, Adidas boost were my old, uh, what's my old crazy comfort. about. So Hoka, so Deckers bought Hoka for, I think it was $1.5 million or $1.1 million like eight or nine years ago. And this year, Hoka will do about $2 billion in revenue. And if they spun out Hoka, it would probably be an eight or $9 billion public company. I mean, Decker's got the steal of a lifetime. It's like a 4,000X uh, return. It's crazy. That's what uh, Pepsi is hoping with uh, Celsius. Hey, is Pepsi going to acquire Celsius? So I get that question a lot. I mean, obviously, I don't know. Um, at this point, I don't want them to because I think there's enough growth over the next three or four years where I would make more money on the stock over the next three or four years than just a quick 30 or 40% premium in a buyout. Um, it's like, it's tricky for Pepsi. Like, does Pepsi really want to, like, <laughs> the, the, better, the better job they do growing Celsius in the U.S. and international the more it's going to cost them if they just want to acquire them. So like, I do wonder if their incentives are really aligned for that reason or not. 
you guys have to get off for another interview, right? Sweet green. Yeah, we got. So I was gonna say we, I was gonna go to TTD, but I don't. I don't want to. Now, one thing about Pepsi is when they acquired Rockstar in March 2020, I was working at a at a big company. I remember turning around to people talking to me and saying, "Such a dumb deal. They could have bought Celsius at the time. I think maybe like 250 million dollars. Celsius was trading like five bucks a share back then before their breakout quarter. I think it was in May 2020. But I feel like Pepsi's going to be, they're going to be hesitant to make another big deal in the energy space because they've crapped the bed so much. And that Rockstar deal was just terrible. But I mean, they did get a good stake at a good price in Celsius. Now it's just the, the stock runs so much that it goes from being, you know, a relatively large deal to a massive deal if they go to acquire this. And I feel like they're going to be very hesitant to fork over $20 billion to make it happen. But here's the thing. I mean, eight, eight or nine years ago, when Coca-Cola invested $2.1 billion into Monster, Monster's valuation then is bigger than what Celsius is right now. And Monster still went up 4x from there, right? Monster was, a, like, I think the valuation was around 15 or $16 billion when Coke did that deal because they did like $2.1 billion for like a 16% stake. And Monster is $60 billion now. Like I honestly, and I'm not even saying this because it's my biggest position, I honestly think Celsius could be a $60 billion company someday. Red Bull and Monster together, Red Bull's privately held, but Red Bull's probably worth even more than Monster. They do even more revenue. So together, those two companies combined, I mean, $130 billion in market cap, $140 billion in market cap, Celsius is 12. Like there's still a bunch more room to go. So like anyone that thinks that, 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 you know, the story's over, you're too late, like not even close. Energy drink market is massive and it's growing at 10% a year. In it's crazy to see, yeah, the actual growth. I remember when I, when I first invested in Celsius, they did a little over $5 million in annual revenue. Yeah. And they now do that every two days. Oh yeah. So just to see where they were and where they've gone, it, it's incredible. And I feel like, John and his team over there are going to figure it out. And, and a big thing for them getting to that 50, $60 billion is going to be continue to expand that product line, like you said, into hydration, into more categories, because they've got that brand loyalty and just the rave about them with the younger consumers that if they launch another product line, they will buy it. I, I have them getting to, to 10 billion in 2031, but like 25% of that revenue is going to have to come from other products, maybe even more than that. Like it's going to have to come from a hydration drink, a hundred milligram can, et cetera. Okay. You guys got to go, right? Yeah. We're about to interview the, the founders of Sweet Green, uh, uh, which has been devastated as a stock. So we're very excited to connect with them and, and see what they have planned. I ate his Sweet Green last night, actually. There you go. There you go. So if anyone has questions, shoot us a DM, give Jonah a follow. He doesn't have it quite enough. He's only got like uh, half a million or so. So enjoy my, uh, enjoy my stock quit room so you can make some money. <laughs> There you go. We'll give him a quick shout out. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start doing more of these. This is, this is pretty dope. So uh, I enjoyed it. Hopefully everyone did as well. Uh, and if you guys have questions for Sweet Green, shoot us a DM and we'll uh, give you guys a shout out on that episode. We'll do more of these in the future. But uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. And Jonah, I appreciate you hopping on, man. You got it. See you guys later. Have a good weekend.